This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Shannon Bream. I'm Bill Hemmer. I'm Kennedy. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, July 14th, 2023. I'm Eben Brown. The performers you watch on your favorite movies and TV shows, especially on the streaming sites, are now striking along with writers who say they deserve better pay and not to have their work taken by computers. Actors and writers don't feel they're being compensated enough for their work. And at the same time, the parent companies say, we're not making the money we used to. This isn't the old days. Keep your expectations down a little because they're just not going to fly anymore. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The combined labor union of the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, known as SAG-AFTRA, are now striking Hollywood studios, joining in on a work stoppage by members of the Writers Guild of America. The union for those who create the scripts and the stories turned into television shows and movies, even the ones you stream. Why are they striking? As with most strikes, this one is about how much they get paid. And we're used to seeing movie stars earn big paychecks. But at the heart of this is the changing landscape that is less big-time Hollywood studio and more small digital production house. And in an age of newfound creativity, a concern that writers and actors could be replaced by things created by computers, even things that look, sound, and write like them. Yes, it's, of course, easy to say, oh... Yeah, I feel so bad for uh, Jennifer Lawrence. She's only making $25 million in, in her last movie. Poor her, Scarlett Johansson. Joe Flint reports on Hollywood and the media for The Wall Street Journal. He's been covering these negotiations, and he speaks to us from Los Angeles. But you know, just like any other business, sure, there are a small percentage of people who have reached a tremendous level of success and financial compensation that is often justified by the performances of the movies and TV shows they make. And believe me, those companies that make them are making a lot more. But most people working in Hollywood are just day-to-day actors making a living doing their thing. And the last few years, we've seen a lot of changes in the entertainment industry, the way people watch content, obviously the growth of streaming and Netflix and Disney Plus and all these different platforms and the way content is made has changed. And a lot of this is technology. Technology brings change. Right. Audiences have embraced these new ways to watch content. But the flip side is, They are not the financial revenue generating profit machines of the old model. 
And so the actors and writers don't feel they're being compensated enough for their work. And at the same time, the parent companies say, hey, we're not making the money we used to. This isn't the old days. Uh, you're being unreasonable. And, you know, you got to keep your expectations down a little because they're just not going to fly anymore. And that's where we're at now. And I think the actors and writers always intended to go on strike. I believe they felt that was the only way they were going to get their message across. They've reached this point of, no, we need to be better compensated. And one last thing, and then I'll, I'll shut up for a minute. <laughs> These deals come up every three years. So every three years, of course, the companies always say, hey, guys, we feel you, but we're just not there yet. Three years from now, we'll be ready to do a deal. In 2020, it was COVID, guys. This is not the time to have a strike. We're barely in production. We've got to stay focused. 2017, it was streaming's too new a business. We're not making any money. Just chill. And now it's, well, look at the economy. Look at what's happening to us. Just not a good time. So I understand the frustration of the performers. I understand the frustration of the companies as well. You mentioned the technology changing, essentially, how we watch what we used to just call TV and movies. So, you know, we're, it's not a situation where we wait for a season once a year and, you know, we get to watch it and we, we wouldn't see that episode again until reruns or if we got a VCR or something, eventually DVRs. And I, but now we have these streaming services where often the seasons come all at once and people can watch this over and over again on demand whenever it suits them. And and also, I think production has changed in that it's not always in Hollywood. For those folks who like, I think it's Star Trek, the, the new Star Trek Strange New Worlds, I think it's produced in Canada. So let's talk about how that all affects the way Hollywood, even if it means outside Hollywood, if, you know, geographically works. I mean, because it, that does affect how people get paid and the economics of it all. And that all comes into play here. So let's get the primer on that. That, that would be a good thing to ask you. Sure, there's a lot to, uh, to unpack there. Yeah. But first, right, the days of the 26-episode season, they're mostly gone. Right. Uh, broadcast networks still try to adhere to that model, but even they, more often than not, a show does 13 episodes. And that also means what we in the industry call the back end, those reruns, that revenue has gotten smaller. It used to be your goal was you were on a TV show and you got to 80 or 100 episodes, you were set. Yeah. Even a mediocre show that could run five or six years because there was very little competition and people just assembled around these three or four networks. Right. And now, of course, competition is everywhere and we're making fewer episodes. So the writers, producers, actors, they're working less or having to work more to make up for the lack of episodes. And look, these folks aren't naive. They know the toothpaste isn't going back in the tube. They are right. not sitting there saying we must have 26 episodes. Again, they recognize that. But what they are saying is the business models have to change too. And especially in streaming, for a while, the residuals in streaming for performers really were below par. They have gone up over the years, but they feel that we're, they're still not getting their fair share from streaming revenues, particularly international, which kind of non-existent now right. for the most part. So that's where that's coming from. And to your other point about productions moving, 
yes, this industry now goes to wherever the tax breaks are or it's cheaper to produce, whether it's Canada, Georgia, Louisiana. California is now trying to up its tax breaks. Of course, there's a huge debate about whether these tax breaks really do anything for the state that's giving them. Right. But yeah, production moves around too, and actors have to go with it. And all these things just make the making of content even more challenging and making a hit these days just you know there's this plethora of options and it's very tough to get a show that breaks out you know we all talk about ted lasso and it's a successful show but if you really looked at the numbers of ted lasso if we had a viable actual service i could look at their numbers and say i believe this but if we did you know we might be surprised that they're not as big as we we think they are they're big. It's a popular show, right. but we're just not in that world we used to be in. Of the, you know, the scope and scale. Yeah, the, the scope and scale of what is popular is much different. We're not judging it by what numbers you know Dallas used to get or something like exactly. that. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Because because if there's so many more options out there, the the pie gets cut up. Continuing the question about the technology and and how much performers can get paid or what what they're entitled to get paid. The technology exists, and I know this is a concern for uh, the Actors Union, that they could be digitized and a computerized version of them could be used essentially you know, in perpetuity, or if the producers kind of got what they're asking for, where the actors for who the images are based on are, you know, get very little compensation or maybe even no compensation. And I think we're all wowed by that technology. We've seen it like in the Marvel films and and the new Indiana Jones film where they de-age people or or they use uh, the likeness of an actor who's deceased and whatnot. And to be able to bring a character, a loved character back, we saw that in one of the Star Wars films. But this factors into how, again, how people make their living and and kind of what the union is all about to, to sort of protect that. Yeah. I mean, you managed to say all that without saying the dreaded A word, artificial <laughs> intelligence and that GPT and... These are big lightning rods in the negotiations. And look, I am somewhat uh, jaded. It it is a concern. It is an issue. I also think it has been a tool or device, and I would do the same if I were them, the unions have used to rally their membership around because it's a simpler thing to rally around versus hey, our residuals from India are too small. We really need to get them up to uh, 7% from 3%. You know, it's the whole machines will not replace us. That said, again, legitimate concerns for actors. The fear is, as you mentioned, that the technology is there to use their likeness in image and in whether it's in uh, movies or other material or voiceover work, all that sort of stuff. And for writers, it's that, wow, they won't need us anymore. They'll just take a, 10 of our scripts, throw them in a machine and come up with a new one. And I want to say the studios have concerns about this too. The studios own a lot of IP that's now being maybe scraped to help chat GPT do what it's going to do. And right. they're just as concerned. But yeah, for the actors, it's we want to be compensated. Well, first, we want to be clear. You can't just use our likeness. And we've seen this in other mediums look at video games and athletes especially college athletes the idea that you can just take the likeness and use it and profit from it that's obviously that's going to be a big sticking point and for writers it's that they don't 
they're just they're worried, rightfully worried that a that a chat GPT could write a a script. Maybe not as good a script, but good enough. I mean, look, I'm a journalist. If yeah. uh, if chat GPT can uh, take away writing an earning story for me, I'm not going to complain. But if it starts doing deeper reporting that I'd like to think is a unique skill to me, I'm going to be upset. We are speaking with The Wall Street Journal's Joe Flint in Los Angeles on film and TV actors joining the striking writers who are bargaining over pay and the use of artificial intelligence in Hollywood on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. We'll have more straight ahead. Real quickly, and and we'll let you go. What does a a reasonable deal between the two parties kind of look like? And that may be a hard question to answer, but... You know, what what gets them at least back to the table negotiating? Yeah, there's a lot of things on the table. It's I'm amazed the more I learn about what goes into these negotiations, I'm amazed they ever get a deal done because there's so much stuff in here. I mean, you know, I'm going to give you an example. And yeah. I'm just like sort of really this is a, a sticking point. I mean, there's a lot of legitimate concerns from the Screen Actors Guild. But they've had on the table the idea that their logo should be in the end credits of movies and TV shows. And it's kind of like, guys, come on, you're not a brand. Uh, What's that going to really resolve? Can we actually stick to the issues on point here? But that's what I mean. There's big and small. And yeah, obviously, I think a settlement looks like increased sharing of residuals, increased minimum pay, real protections that actors and writers can feel good about with regards to the use of AI and also for writers, you know, we're focusing on the actors now, but I think part of the act motivating of the actors is to be in solidarity with the writers. I'm not saying they don't have their concerns of their own, but this is really going to give the writers who have been out there on their own uh, a surge of energy in their fight. And without the writers, you don't need the actors. Right. But the writers have concerns about, you know, just sort of the way shows are made now and what they're paid for and what they're not paid for and get not having to rewrite your script three times, but not getting paid for it or only getting a percentage of what you should boring issues to the folks at home but for these folks this is their bread and butter so i do think these things have to be resolved and i don't think the industry helps themselves either with some of the optics of the large pay packages they get and you know and just the things they're saying i'm a little surprised that bob Iger, the disney ceo made some remarks the other day about yeah in a sense these guys need a reality check it was just a tone i was surprised to hear from him because normally he would be more polished and conciliatory and say well we all want to find a way to work together clearly we have differences of opinion here but we totally respect the value that these performers and writers bring to our product we can't do it without them instead it was like Guys, get real. (laughs) Yes, certainly didn't help. All right. Joe Flint of the Wall Street Journal in Los Angeles. Thank you so much for being with us on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hey, 
it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.